0: I've entitled this message, The Lord of the Breakthrough. The Lord of the Breakthrough. Now, some of you have heard that song from Israel, right? He has a song actually called The Lord of the Breakthrough. And prayerfully today, by the time you leave this place, you'll understand exactly what that means. I'm going to talk about a story that's found in two different verses. It's found in 2 Samuel and also in 1 Chronicles. But I want you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. And it's a story about David. And I'm going to read a, actually quite a few scriptures here. It's second, uh, First Chronicles 14, verse 8 through 17. When you have it, say amen. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim, not reefer, reefer. <laughs> Amen. So David inquired of God, shall I go and attack the Philippine? Phili- not Philippines? <laughs> Philistines. Yes, we should go attack the <laughs> Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hands. And so David and his men went to baal and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand, so that the place was called baal The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley, and so David inquired of God again. And God answered him, Do not go directly after them, but attack them from the front of the poplar trees. Circle around them. As soon as you hear the sounds of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move in front of them and strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistines there, all the way from Gibeon to Gizar. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. Amen. Go ahead and shake somebody's hand and grab a seat. Thank you. The Lord of the breakthrough. So today... I believe that what we wanna talk about in, in, in the, the message that God has for us today has to deal with breakthrough. You know, I don't know if you know or not, but we're in the middle of a crusade. Tell the person next to you, we're in the middle of a crusade. You know, we're doing shotgun next week. We actually, we're a week away. Next week, we'll be at the Ball Theater. And you know, this is not in the notes, but I wanna encourage you, if, if you haven't gone out to the streets, you know, we need you this week, amen? This, this is a huge push. They were, we're breaking new ground. The last time we did any kind of an outreach this big in the city of San Leandro was well over 15 years ago. And so going into this area, we need help. We need help to be able to to get out there. And we have the UTC that's coming in this week, amen? Come on, the UTC's coming in. But what a shame if they came in and hit the streets better than us. Come on, hill this ain't part of the notes. <laughs> I mean, what a shame if they were able to rock our city before we were able to rock our city. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, if you have not been out to the streets, then come out with us this week. Come join us every single night. We have something going on. We have an opportunity to get involved both day and night, like the song says, right? Day and night, you have an opportunity to get involved and to hit the streets with us. Tomorrow night, we'll be uh, right there upstairs doing the media night. And then all week long, we'll be hitting the streets. And so we want to see you out there. Amen? Want to see some of you that haven't been out there in a while, right? Come join us out there. Want to see some of you cast members out there? Come on. Don't just be on the stage. Be on the streets, too. Come on, somebody. Right? A lot of people want the stage, but you got to want them streets just as much. And so that's it. I'm done rebuking everybody. (laughs) But really, though, we want to see you out there. We went out Friday night. And man, it was awesome. We've been out almost every day, but Friday night in particular, we went out to 66 in Havens Court. We went out to the 80s. And I mean, people were getting touched. People were getting prayed for. I mean, you know, the devil's busy out there, man. The devil's he's, he's out there rocking it daily. Up. And we were able to see all kinds of people that are just bound, bound in sin and bound in, in, in just their lifestyle, man. And so what we're doing, you know, we're, we're on the brink of a revival. We're on the brink of people getting saved. And so it's so vital, it's so important that you're involved in it. Don't be a spectator, amen? The next week is not for us. Next week is for the people that don't know Jesus and they need a touch from God. So we want to see you out there this week and then also be praying for us. Be praying for us that God will move and continue to move. Amen? Amen. Now back to the notes. (laughs) I want to read you a quote to kind of get this thing going. It says, at the end, someone or something always gives up. It's either you give up and quit or the obstacle or failure gives up and makes way for your success to come through. At the end, someone or something always gives up. It's either you give up and quit or the obstacle and the failure gives up and makes way for your success to come through. Today, my question for you is who's going to give up in your situation? Who's going to give up in your current battle? Who's going to give up in the trials that you're facing because somebody is going to give up. It's either going to be you or it's going to be your trial. It's going to be your enemy. You know, in my life, I've come to understand things, which probably many of you have come to understand things by understanding the opposite of something. For example, right? To understand joy, you first have to understand sadness, right? To understand being full, you first have to have felt hungry. You appreciate good company when you've experienced some loneliness in your life. And to understand breakthrough, you have to have experienced some kind of a struggle or bondage or even failure in your life. See, we understand things sometimes in opposites. So today, if all is well with you, and you're not fighting no battles, and and everything's hunky-dory, as they say, well, I'm sorry, but this message is not for you. Amen? But if you're going through something, If you're in a battle or you're in a struggle or you're in a fight, then my friend, you might want to listen up today. You might want to hear what God has to say when it comes to breakthroughs. Amen? You know, when it comes to to David, we know that David did many feats. David, you know, he, he was a man of war. He was a man who grew up since a little little young child. Not only did he love God, but he loved war. He loved to fight. He loved to be on the front line. And we tune into the story here where David, he had just been anointed king. He was fresh. God had just established him. He had just taken Jerusalem, right? And the Bible says as soon as the enemies of God heard that David had been anointed king, the Bible says that they came after him. So I want, I want to reassure some of you that it, that it just got saved, right? I want to reassure some of you that just got involved in the drama or you just got involved in ministry. You, don't worry about it. It's normal. This has been happening for years. You're going to get attacked. You're going to get trials. You're going to get problems, right? I you know a lot of times there's a misconception that when you come to church, it's going to be all right, right? That the problems are going to stop, right? I know I thought that, but, man, I mean, you know, they, they intensify. The only difference is we have help now right so the bible says that the philistines actually rallied up to come kill him now you got to understand the philistines they had been the enemies of of the lord and the enemies of israel for many 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 years you know what i'm saying so the, the, their hatred towards god's people was nothing new just like for us the devil's hatred for us in the church in the ministry is nothing new see as we see battles that were taking place throughout the bible and even to today we see battles that, that are they're carried out naturally. I want you to understand that there's battles supernaturally that are also taking place. A lot of times we don't want to think of those things. We look at addiction. We look at violence. We look at depression, right? We look at places that are off the hook. They're crazy. But we don't understand that there's a supernatural battle that's taking place behind those things. There's demons and there's forces and there's, there's, there's enemies of God that are out there destroying our neighborhoods, destroying our families, destroying people that we love. So you're not just feeling depressed. You're fighting a spirit of depression. Hear me now. You're not just having hard times financially, right? You're battling spirits that have been sent to destroy your finances. You're not just having marriage problems. You're fighting spirits that are sent to destroy your marriage. There's a supernatural battle that's taking place even now as we speak the enemies you have are enemies of god the battles you face are battles that are are attacking you because of your relationship with god same thing with david david was god's anointed king and that was enough for the enemies of god to come against him. see one of the biggest misconceptions right in the christian in christianity with the christian man or woman is that god doesn't want to be involved in our battles Somehow we've gotten this idea that we need to work our issues out and then come to God. That somehow God isn't interested in fighting with us. That God isn't interested in the battles that we face on a day-to-day basis. How many know that's not true? God wants to be involved in our battles. God wants to be involved in our fights. Your enemies are God's enemies. Therefore, the supernatural forces that attack you ultimately are attacking you to hurt God. See, the moment the enemy lines up against you to war against you guess who's right there god god is right there he already knows that the enemy is going to come against you he already knows the attacks that are meant to hurt you and to hurt him ultimately so the minute they line up against you god is right there a lot of times we, we don't realize it we think we're all alone in struggles we think we're all alone in battles right i mean you ever felt that i have Feel you're all alone, but God's right there. So now here's, you have to understand something. That David, up until this point, had spent his entire life, well, not entire life, but the majority of his life, running. He was on the run before he became king, right? Saul had been trying to kill him, and Saul had been trying to attack him, right? So his life, up until this point, was running. He was running, he was hiding in caves, and even though he was a warrior, he was still on the run. So here we see that David, he makes a pivotal, a pivotal decision in his life right now. He is anointed king. The enemies, again, line up against him, and then he makes a decision for once in his life to stand and fight. Hear me now. Sooner or later, my friends, sooner or later, you're going to have to make the decision on what you're going to do with the battles that you're facing with the struggles and the weaknesses that you're facing. You're going to have to make the decision, are you going to keep running or are you going to deal with them? David made the decision. He said, look, man, I've been running for years already, right? He has been hiding. He's been trying to avoid these issues. He's been trying so hard to not go head on with these enemies. But all of a sudden, it happens again. But this time he's king. And see, he, he comes to the point where he says, you know what? Look, man. If we're going to have peace in this land, right? If my kingdom is going to be a kingdom of peace, then I have to stand and fight this thing. I have to make a decision to fight. And you will also one day have to make that decision. Some of you are in that decision right now. Some of you have made a decision. I'm going to deal with my issues. And now you're face to face with your enemy. Amen? See, the enemy came to win against David, right? And the enemy comes to win against you. He's not, he's not coming somewhere just to play with you or just to mess with you. A lot of times we think, "Ah, oh, the devil's messing with me. He's coming to kill you. He's coming to destroy you. And so what does he do? The Bible says that the Philistines, they come to a valley. Now, you got to understand, Israel and Jerusalem, you know, it's not really big. It's not a huge land, right? It's not like the United States where it's huge. Israel is relatively small. And so the valley that they went to, it's right to the southeast. It's about three miles outside of Jerusalem, right? Just picture like from here to Union City. And this valley, it was a valley that it was strategic. It was a valley, and we're going to be studying it a little bit right now, but the valley itself was a very strategic valley. In this valley, the enemy lined up to war against David in this particular valley. He lined up, and you gotta understand something. This valley was three miles from his home. This this particular spot was, if you would say in in, in our terms, it was in his backyard. And I want you to, to, to really understand that when the enemy's coming for you, when the enemy wants to mess with you, he's not gonna beat around the bush. He's gonna come to your backyard. He's gonna come and line up in a place where you're very familiar with. He's gonna line up in a place where you're it's common to you. You've seen it before. So I want to ask the question, and if you're taking notes, why and what did this valley represent? Why did they line up in this particular valley? We see in the word of God, it says the valley of Repham, right? But if it's translated, it's actually known as the valley of giants. Now, trip off this. It's known as the valley of giants. It was, like I said, three miles outside of Israel, almost by Bethlehem. And I want to give you a few reasons why the enemy chose this particular valley. Because the the reasons he chose this valley is a lot similar. It's a lot common to the way the enemy chooses where to hit us. He chooses where to mess with us, where to send his attacks, where, where to basically bring his forces. See, the first reason that the enemy chose this valley of giants was this, that it was a vantage point. The enemy believed that victory was possible from that particular valley. He chose it because he was familiar with it. See, so you got to understand something here. Satan attacks us and he opposes us and he come against us in areas that he feels he can gain victory in. He's not going to hit you in an area that he don't think he can take you out in. He's not, if you have no problem, say with finances, right? You've been an honest person since day one. Well, he's not going to come and tempt you in those areas. He's going to come in areas that he's, he can really take you out in. So you've been battling with anger and rage because that's the area that the enemy, maybe he feels that he can get you to fall in. Whatever you've been battling with, think of the areas that you've been battling in. Think of the strongholds that you've been feeling and going through and the the issues that you've been going through. I want to tell you something, that the enemy chose that spot because it's a vantage point for him. He really believes in his mind and in his heart that he can get you to fall in that area. It's a vantage point. See, if the enemy gives certain attention to an area in your life, you might want to give attention to that area in your life. If the, if the enemy's hitting you in a certain spot, buddy, you might want to pay attention to that area. Because he's giving it attention. It's a vantage point. You may think you're strong in that area. I was real quiet this morning. <laughs> you may think you're strong. The Bible says, right? Don't think you're strong, least you fall. Don't think you're strong, least you fall. And he's hitting you in areas, and you're thinking, I got this, right? I got this area. Man, I've already dealt with this area. I've been to the altar for this area, right? I, I'm getting counseling, right? You know, I'm going to this group for that, and, and man, it's all right. But you see yourself getting hit over and over and over in that area, and he thinks it's a vantage point. The second reason or, yeah, reason why the valley of the giants was chosen by the enemy was this it was a familiar point now trip off this the, if you if you study the word of god this particular this particular valley had already been raided before by the philistines it was a familiar point that they came to see we see that if you look back excuse me if you look back in the um uh, in the bible it talks about a cave of abdullam if you've studied david he was in this cave for a long time And he would fight out of this cave. Well, in front of that cave was this valley that we're talking about, the Valley of Giants. So the Philistines had already lined up against him in this valley before. So the enemy, he rarely brings something new to the table. I want you to understand that the enemy will rarely bring a new attack to you. And if anything, he is going to come to a place in your life that he's familiar with. Maybe you're familiar with it, and he continues to come to that particular area. See, this this Valley of Giants, it was a valley they had already raided before, so they knew it. They were familiar with it. And so they came back again to hit that area. So us as Christians, when you see the enemy revisiting an area, usually it's a familiar area. Usually you've been dealing with this issue. You've been dealing with this struggle for a long time already. For some of us, some of these things have been with us since we were kids, since we were birthed. We've been dealing with these issues, and the enemy continues to revisit it because it's familiar. This is why we find ourselves struggling with the same things time and time again. These are very familiar areas. Now, I want to throw a little side note in here when, it, when we're talking about this. The longer it takes for you to realize and recognize an issue that you have, the longer it takes to get victory in it. See, the enemy already is familiar with these areas. He knows you've got a problem in these areas. He knows that you're struggling in these areas. Sometimes we don't, we don't want to recognize it. We don't want to come to grips that this is a problem. We don't want to come to grips that this is an issue, and therefore we don't get victory because we don't acknowledge it. If you keep getting into arguments or conflicts, buddy, listen to me. There's an area inside of you that's familiar to the enemy. If you're always in a financial crisis, it isn't your job, it isn't the debt collectors, it isn't the bills, maybe it's areas like integrity or self-dependency that the enemy keeps revisiting in your life. Acknowledgement, it goes a long way when it comes to these familiar areas. The third thing, when it comes to this valley on why the enemy chose this valley, the enemy chose this valley because they considered the valley theirs. See, if you remember, the name of the valley is what? The Valley of the Giants. They already had their name attached to this. See, I don't want to go hecka deep on this, right? But if you really go into the history of the Philistines, and you really go into the history of why it was called the Valley of the Giants, during the time of starting from way back when Noah was around, there there was a breed, right? There was a breed of giants, and it happened with fallen angels angels that had fallen that had gotten with women and they had had kids and these kids were giants physical giants in fact if you look throughout history and you look throughout the bible the bible describes that some of these giants as tall as cedar trees now if you look at the trees out front right imagine somebody that tall right <laughs> imagine some of these people that tall some of them were 13 feet some of them if you look in history were 17 feet right I mean, man, it's huge, right? We look at somebody six something and we think it's tall. At least I do, right? Some of the more common and well-known giants are kings, like a, a giant was King Og, or we all know Goliath, right? There was giants in the land at that time. And these giants, right, we even know that in Joshua, right, the book of Joshua, where they go in and, right, Moses sends in spies, and what did they see? Giants. So during this time, there was giants in the land. So they were frequent in that particular valley. They were frequent in the cities that surrounded it. So let me tell you why that's significant. Is they considered it their own. The giants and the Philistines worked hand in hand. Right? We remember Goliath. He was, who was he with? The Philistines. They worked hand in hand. And so these giants and these enemies of God, they considered that valley theirs. And we all know that ownership produces entitlement. See, there's areas that Satan himself considers in your life, he considers it his. Listen to what I'm saying right now. He considers certain areas, you may not think so, but he considers it his. There's areas in our cities, there's areas in our families that the devil considers his own. huh? There's neighborhoods that the devil says, this is mine. It's not yours, this is mine. See, the devil don't mind you coming to church. Satan don't mind you even maybe popping in to, you know, maybe a, 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 a midweek service. But don't you start getting involved. Don't you start getting involved in life group. Don't you start getting accountable. Don't you start getting discipled because there's certain areas that he considers your his. You got to understand something. That these areas, the devil wouldn't fight for it unless he thought it was his. He wouldn't fight you if he thought that, eh, I don't care. It's almost, it's almost like you, right? It's almost like, you know, earlier this week, uh, you know, somebody I know lost a jacket, right? And, and you know, man, when, when you lose something you like, right, don't you fight for it? You look for it, right? You'll go to all lengths to try to find it, right? At the same time, if it's not really that big to you, right, then eh, it's no, no big thing. But why do you think the enemy's hitting you so hard in certain areas? Why do you think he's fighting you tooth and nail for certain areas? Because he considers those areas his just like the enemy considered this valley theirs the enemy considers certain things in your life and in your neighborhood and in your area he considers it his this is why we have such a hard time sometimes evangelizing in certain areas right we see one of those areas on friday night hard area right rough area i mean it wasn't but maybe 10 blocks but it's a rough area Right, We see sometimes we go into areas and we try to start Bible studies or we try to start outreaches and we see, man, we fight all kinds of opposition and sometimes you don't understand that the enemy considers it his. He's not letting it go. There are still giants walking around in these valleys. There are still giants walking around. The last thing and the reason that the enemy chose this particular valley was because that valley itself represented death. See, someone was going to fall in that valley. It wasn't a place, it wasn't a Disneyland type of place. It wasn't a place to go hang out and to relax by an oasis, right? This valley represented death. And somebody, whether it be the Israelites or the enemies of God, were going to fall in that valley. And so they chose it because they knew that in that valley, somebody was going to die. They chose it because it was a perfect place for war. A perfect place to battle. Never think that the enemy is going to line up against you without knowing that the fight is a two-death fight. Never think that. Never think. See, we're the ones sometimes that are often naive to the fact. We stop. We think because we stop uh, smoking or cussing or we stop pornography or depression and overcoming things like this is somehow it's going to be easy, my friend. No, it's a two-death it two fight. A death has to occur. It's just a matter, like I asked in the beginning, of whose? Is it going to be your death or is it going to be the enemy's death? See, the enemy lined up in this battle. Excuse me, he lined up in this valley for battle against David. And David, he has a choice. All of these reasons that David was familiar with. But David, at that moment, he had a choice. And like I said in the very beginning, he made a choice to go ahead to the, face the enemy head on. And the reason is because I believe that David really just wanted peace. He wanted to stop the issues in his life. He wanted to stop the war in his life. How many are tired of dealing with the same things? In your personal life, how many are tired of the same things? Until you reach that point where you're really, really tired, then you're not going to fight. You're going to keep pushing it off. You're going to keep not dealing with these issues. But the whole time, the enemy's still lining up, waging battle against you. The, the enemy's still coming to the valleys in your life and messing with you. He's still coming to our back door here in Hayward and other areas and messing with us. David realized if there was going to be real peace in the land, then he had to win these yeah, had to fight these enemies. And in your life, if there's going to be real peace, if there's going to be real freedom, my friend, then you're going to have to face these enemies. You're going to have to face these people that have been lining up for you year after year. In your walk with God, you'll also hit a point where if you want that true peace, you're going to fight for it. Some wait years after they're saved. Some wait years to deal with issues, right? But I want you to know these enemies ain't going away. They're not going to leave. See, I'm not talking about things that you can change. Hear me now by reading a book. I'm not talking about things that you can change by just maybe getting disciples. I'm talking about things that you need a supernatural breakthrough to break. Things in your life that you can't help out on your own. That no matter how many books you read, no matter how many life groups you go to, no matter how many uh, uh, situations you get yourself into, positive situations, they're not going to change until something supernaturally breakthroughs. So why, let me, you know, you may ask yourself, why a breakthrough? Why, why, why do we need a breakthrough? And the number one reason is this. That sometimes you just can't win certain things on your own. There are certain things in your life that you're not going to be able to win on your own. Now, listen, now, I know most Sunday morning messages are, like, encouraging, right? And this is an encouraging message. But I want you to understand something. that We want to be able to break this city open. We want to be able to go next Sunday and see souls saved. But listen, if they walk in and you're not free if they come to that drama and they can't experience freedom because you're not free, then listen, my friend, what are we doing this for? You have to experience the freedom that I'm talking about. I mean, even now as I speak, I know for a fact that the Spirit of God is tugging. I know that the Spirit of God is even now breaking certain things in your life. And even in just a moment, we're going to be praying for breakthroughs. Breakthroughs in your life, breakthroughs in your family's life, breakthroughs that are going to supernaturally change you. But it has to start here. Before we can experience a different breakthrough outside of here, it has to start here. See, sometimes you can't just win certain things on your own. The Bible uses a term. It says principalities and powers. It uses a term six times in the Bible. In fact, if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. It's so important that you write this down. Borrow a pen from somebody. Six times that phrase is used, powers and principalities. Colossians 1.6, Colossians 2.15, Ephesians 3.10, Ephesians 6.12, Titus 3.1, and Romans 8.37. I'm giving you some tools right now. You're going to want to read this later on. Colossians 1.16 Colossians 2.15, Ephesians 3.10, Ephesians 6.12, Titus 3.1, and Romans 8.37. The Bible talks about this particular thing, principalities and powers. Doesn't necessarily give it a name other than that. But what it is and what it's used to describe is supernatural forces that wield power in unseen realms to oppose everything and everyone of God. there's supernatural forces that exist. Now, you can walk out of here. We're not, we're not talking about an exorcist. We're not talking about something that's not real. This isn't a movie. We're talking about supernatural forces that do exist and that their sole purpose is to block the, the move of God and to block the people of God. These principalities are what you and I deal with on a daily basis, whether you know it or not. And what I have found in God's word and experience is that they require a supernatural breakthrough. There's certain powers, there's certain strongholds that the enemies place in our lives, placed in our families, placed in our neighborhoods. In these particular areas, there are forces that are stronger than us. However, they're not stronger than God. In the supernatural breakthrough that I'm talking about, the supernatural breakthrough that David experienced, right, it was a supernatural breakthrough that we can experience see no amount of passion charisma or knowledge or experience is gonna defeat these powers only a breakthrough will see the second thing God has already decided victory for us right we're talking about a breakthrough why a breakthrough God has already he's already decreed a victory for us so God himself wants a supernatural breakthrough for your life God didn't establish David as king So one month later, he could be defeated by the Philistines. And God didn't pull you out of your lifestyle, so one year from today, you can go back to what you were doing. You have to understand that God wants victory from beginning to end in your life. That's why he pulled you out of your mess. That's why he he reached out and set you free from the very beginning. So David inquires of the Lord. He inquires and says, do I fight? Now, trip off this. God says, yeah, go for it. You're going to win. You're going to win. In fact, uh, God actually says, I'll surely do it. I'll surely do it. And then the Bible says that David goes and he defeats them. And David renames the valley from the valley of giants to what is translated as the Lord of the breakthrough. Because David says, after his first battle with the enemy, he says that God broke out against my enemy like waters break out. And so what he does is he renames the valley. David experiences a supernatural breakthrough, and he compares it to waters breaking out. Some of you need that today. Some of you need to experience the breakthrough in your life like rushing waters. To experience that breakthrough power, think of it. Think of what David was going through when the Philistines were falling at his hands. Think of what you'll go through when you come to this altar and you experience the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. See, in my personal life, I've experienced this so many times. But throughout my life, I want you to understand something. The the, the breakthroughs, the supernatural breakthroughs that I've experienced, they've changed the course of my life. You know, one of the particular breakthroughs, and, and I've shared it with certain people and I've shared it often, but one of the breakthroughs that I experienced was a mental breakthrough. You know, and many of you know after partying for so many years and after using drugs for so many years, how I many you know it has an effect on your mind, right? Now, some of you guys acting like you never did dope, right? Some of you guys acting like you don't understand what I'm talking about. And sometimes you, it starts messing with your mind. And I would say a good year before I came back to the Lord, I, I was a, a good solid year of hearing voices in my head. Now, I'm not talking about me talking to myself like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm talking about hearing demonic voices. I would sit in a room like this and I would literally hear people talking. And I would hear demonic voices in my head. And I, I mean this would go on for a year. I would see things, I would hear things. And, and, and you know, it was real to me. And here's what's crazy. Trip about this is within my life, you know, I was one of five brothers. And throughout my entire family, this was. Prominent, My dad would sit in front of of a TV. My biological father would sit in front of a TV and think that the TV was talking to him. I got your attention right now? (laughs) They would sit in front of a TV and think that the people on the TV were talking to him. That was my dad. I have another brother who right now is sitting in a mental institution because he hears voices. Right now, as we speak, he's in a mental institution. Flipped out, stabbed some guy nine times because he heard it in his head. I got another brother, and I've shared this story before, who drove himself to the Oakland Coliseum and shot himself in the head because he was hearing voices. So here I was coming to the Lord, bound, physically, spiritually bound. And I so I gave my life to the Lord. I surrendered my life to the Lord. But guess what didn't stop? The voices. So I would come, and I would come to church, and I would be sitting in a room like this. Maybe even now, as I'm saying this, some of you are experiencing this. And I would hear voices in my head, and I would cry out to God because it bothered me. It would bother me because I would think, man, come on, God. I wanted peace. I wanted peace from these spirits, peace from these voices. And so I would go home and still battling with it, battling with it. But I would fall on my knees and cry out to God. Because I knew that it wasn't something natural that can fix that. I knew that it had to be something supernatural that touched my mind. Otherwise, it would be the same, right? It didn't matter how many people came up and prayed for me or encouraged me. I knew supernaturally something had to happen. And so every day I would get on my knees and I would cry out to God and tell God, help me. Because I still hear these things, and I still hear these things. And week after week, I would pray for these things. And I didn't understand that I was praying for a breakthrough. I just knew I needed help. That these things were evident in my life. And you know what happened? Is the more I prayed for it, the voices started to go down in numbers. Hear me now. It was a progressive breakthrough. I, it, it would went and when I first started, it would be, you know, four or five voices. And as I began to pray, it would, it would lessen and lessen. And the encounters would lessen. Until finally one day, it was only one voice that I was hearing. And that was the voice of God. And the more I prayed, I would just hear God's voice. And then I realized, man, I've got a breakthrough. I realized that, man, you know what? I didn't trip like that no more. That I wasn't seeing things no more. That I wasn't hearing things no more. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this to help you understand that supernaturally, there's certain things that you need a breakthrough in you need a breakthrough in. You may think that it's just a problem, that it's been in your family for some time and everybody deals with it. No, it's a bondage. It's a supernatural bondage, and I want you to understand that God can break through it. See, when God broke through David's enemy, the Bible says that the Philistines abandoned their idols and that David, he had them destroyed. And I like this because idols, right, are images and the representations of a belief that's contrary to God, right? We know that, you know, even in in the other religions, right, they have saints or they have like the Santa Muerte, right? All of these things are are symbols of different beliefs. See, the Philistines had a belief that these idols would help them overcome God's people. So David destroyed that belief. Hear me now, that God's people can be destroyed through something else. He, He destroyed the belief that God's people can be defeated. So we need to learn this principle and apply it. Because too many Christians, hear me now, just look like the world. Understand what I'm saying? They look like the world. So our lives and our talk and our evangelism, it should shatter the belief that people have that people like us can't change. It should shatter the belief that God's people can stay like this. Because you're God's child. I'm God's child. When God has given you a breakthrough, your life should bring doubt to every demonic stronghold. Your life should bring doubt that once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Your life should bring doubt to the enemy's camp. In my personal life, the attacks that have come, the struggles that I've faced, they're constantly in my mind, right? But see, God, when he breaks through those drug addictions and he breaks through the violent spirits and other things that were strongholds, right, all the attacks that come now, I keep that in my mind. It doesn't matter what comes my way now right? Doesn't mean I stopped facing problems. Doesn't mean I stopped facing issues. It's just that now when they come, I got a a whole record of things that God has overcome already. God has overcome this. God has overcome that. So devil, what are you going to bring now? What are you going to shoot my way now? Because I've already seen the supernatural power of God. Some of you need that record in your life. Some of you have no victories in your life. You have no breakthroughs in your life. So you have, every attack that comes is an end-of-a-line attack for you. There's no coming back from it. You're falling down. You're, all, you're, you're, you're in a place of defeat because you have no breakthroughs to go back and say, well, if God did it then, God can do it now. Here today, God wants to give you one of those. In closing, David first experienced with the breakthrough. It was a personal experience. He alone inquired of the Lord, and he alone, right, even though the whole army was there, he alone is the one who heard from God, experienced it, and he was the one who actually, he was so excited, he renamed the valley. But now listen to this, the second fight. Remember, there was two fights. The first fight, he inquires of the Lord. He goes against the Philistines. They defeat the Philistines. The second time, the enemy came back. We know the enemy comes back sometimes, right? Enemy came back. And God, I mean, David inquires again, and he says, "What do I do? Do I go against him?" And God tells him, "No." God tells him, "No," and he says, "Instead, I want you to go around the back of these guys, and when you hear the sounds of feet or marching on top of the trees, then you attack." Now, if, if, for the sake of time, I want to tell you what this means. What happened here in the very first battle is God gave david his own personal victory it was for david that that happened david needed to see the power of god but this time god says no now listen now you're going to march with me now your army is going to see my power not only they're going to see it they're going to hear it they're going to hear the armies of the lord and so when you experience breakthroughs nine times out of ten they're going to be for you when you come to this altar and you're set free it's going to be for you But then it comes to a point in time where God says, okay, now you're gonna march with me and you're gonna help me bring breakthroughs. Now you're gonna come with me and instead of you going head up against these things, march with me. March with me to San Leandro, and we're gonna experience a breakthrough. Now you can come and I'm gonna go before you, but you're gonna help me usher in breakthroughs. Receive a breakthrough, be part of a breakthrough. Receive a breakthrough, be part of a breakthrough. Receive a breakthrough, be part of a breakthrough. breakthrough. That had to happen in this place. Once you receive breakthroughs, then God will start using your life to bring breakthroughs to other people, to bring breakthroughs to other areas, to bring breakthroughs to other cities. But it has to start with the first battle, the long walk to this altar, the long walk to freedom, the long walk to get things right. See, God wants to march his angelic armies into these strongholds like San Leandro, into these strongholds like Oakland and Hayward to usher in breakthroughs. But the Lord, he wants us to go with them. He wants us to be part of these breakthroughs. But I want you to understand something, that unless the Lord of the breakthrough is real to you, he'll never be real to anybody else. You'll never be able to be an usher to bring in his spirit if you've never experienced it. I want you to bow your heads with me here today. You know, we're talking about breakthroughs today. And the Lord of the breakthrough, He hasn't changed. He's the same God who defeated the Philistine army. And He's the same God who has been changing lives for years. The Lord of the breakthrough is very real. I want to tell you something that you're not alone. In preparing this message, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and told me that to remind you that you're not alone. Even to share the story that I shared because some of you understand it. You're experiencing it even now. You're experiencing depression. You're experiencing these things that you just can't shake. No matter how much you try, no matter how much you pray for them, you just can't shake them. And it's weighing you down. It's making you feel inadequate. It may even be making you feel unsaved. But you're not alone in this. You're not the only person dealing with that. You're not the only person fighting these things. There's supernatural forces that have lined up against you. That have lined up against this church. That have lined up against this city. And the Lord of the breakthrough is waiting for you to